You're listening to the Greek's Gridiron. Now here's your host, Ethan Haristadulu. Welcome back, everybody, to the Greek's Gridiron and once again to an edition of the NFL Power Rankings following what was another wild weekend where the league got flipped on its head, starting with an upset and finishing with two upsets. I've got to say, man, anyone can lose in this league. It does not matter who the team is. Parity is at an all-time high. Teams that should not be winning or have no business even being competitive are fighting to the finish line and stealing wins from some of the top teams in the NFL. And it's happening, I feel, more frequently than I've ever seen, or at least in the last handful of years, it feels. So comment below what shocked you this weekend. How are you ranking all 32 of these teams? And we're going to start with those bottom four, beginning with number 32 with the Carolina Panthers reclaiming their throne at the bottom of the NFL. The Patriots jumping them one for their big victory over the Steelers this past week. At number 30, the Commanders staying put where they are. And then at number 29, we have the Arizona Cardinals falling a spot, even though they were on a bye. Now the Panthers falling once again, kind of hanging in there during the early portions of the game, but ultimately falling flat once again. And I mean, it's just kind of been the story that has written itself all season long. I really feel like I'm just kind of reiterating week in and week out about the Panthers' performances and every now and again they might be in a game more so than they have been through the, through the majority of the season, but taking a really ugly shellacking at the hands of the Saints. I will say they did make Derek Carr continue to look like a quarterback that's not worth every single penny that the Saints handed him, but at that, uh, that's about as good as I can go with the Panthers. At number 31, the New England Patriots winning a game with Bailey Zappi at the helm against Mitch Trubisky. We had a guy that not a lot of people had a lot of stock in in New England going up against the MVP, and I've got to say the Patriots delivered. It was a lightning in a bottle first half for them, 21 points on the board, and then just hang on for the victory in a very Bill Belichick-esque victory, at least at this stage in his career. I've got to give the Patriots a lot of credit. I was not very confident in the way that they were going to hold up against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, but taking advantage of, again, no Kenny Pickett and some injuries that happened on the defense through the game, they were able to get the job done. And again, a much-needed victory for morale more than anything else. They are officially eliminated from the playoffs now at this point with only three wins on the season. But again, shocking victory to kick off the week and what wound up being an absolutely bonkers weekend altogether. At number 30, the Commanders. Now, really nothing to say about them. They sit where they sit at number 30. Did not play this week. Nothing to say. Cardinals at number 29. They're dropping mainly because there were two teams that jumped up this week that deserved a lot of credit for the victories they got this week. And so because of that, they fall despite not having a game. Moving into the next four teams at number 28, we have ourselves, the Las Vegas Raiders, tumbling six spots here after putting up a goose egg in what was one of the worst football games I think I've ever had the displeasure to witness. At number 27, we have the LA Chargers, who are looking like they no longer have Justin Herbert for the remainder of the season due to a fracture to his index finger on his throwing hand. At 26, we have the New York Jets pulling off a very improbable and, on top of that, a very convincing victory. I don't know where it came from, but it came out of nowhere over the Houston Texans. And then we have the Tennessee Titans who pulled off an absolutely insane comeback victory with very little time left on the clock, sealing the Dolphins' fate in Miami to uh, to cap off what was just an unbelievable weekend. So at 28, the Raiders got to get into them first. I will say this, um, you know, they're, they're going through a lot. They fired their head coach about, what was it, five weeks ago at this point now, and 
for what it's worth, I mean, this is kind of, I think, the reality of the Raiders. Those first couple of weeks were exciting, but now we're kind of seeing the the fruits of the labor of the prior regime, and we're getting a real uh, a look as to what this team is right now. I don't really put it on Antonio Pierce or any of the guys that are there. It's just kind of the way it is with this team right now, and I don't expect a ton of success during these remaining, uh, what, what is it, four or five games that they may have at this point in the season now, however many are left on the docket, but this is kind of what the Raiders are, and this is a far more realistic look that we've gotten from them the last few weeks. I would have thought they could maybe muster up some points. The defense at least did a really good job handling a Vikings offense that has kind of fallen flat in the last few weeks, but overall, the Raiders are what they are at this point, one of the bottom feeders in the NFL. At number 27, the Chargers, probably one of the worst teams to watch considering how good they are on paper and now losing Justin Herbert for the season at this point. Fire Brandon Staley, man. And I know that Justin Herbert's injury is not necessarily his fault, but this season has just gone so poorly. And at, at this point now, for Justin to be in situations where he's getting hurt multiple times in a season and, and this team is just not performing to the level it needs to be, fire Brandon Staley. Good God, fire Brandon Staley. At number 26, the New York Jets, three spots going up on the board here for a dominating 30 to 6 victory over the Houston Texans. And listen, I don't know where this game came from. Maybe a fire was lit under Zach Wilson after being benched. I don't really know. And I find it rather comical that for all the conversation that was surrounding Zach Wilson going into this game about him maybe being hesitant to be uh, to playing because he was afraid of getting hurt behind what is a pretty porous Jets offensive line at this point in the season now I think it's funny that he comes back and has probably the best game he's had within the last like year or so and you know hats off to him for stepping in and getting the job done and in face and putting his putting himself right in front of what has been a lot of adversity for him this year and throughout the majority of his time in New York at that so big credit to them defense looked great shutting down what has been an electric Houston Texans team to this point I've got to give a lot of credit to this Jets team because I for one and I know a lot of other people did not really give them much of a shot going into this matchup here and then at number 25 the titans pretty much i could say the same exact thing a team that i had written off a team that i expected to get smashed in this contest here and here we are a massive upset victory taking advantage of just poor execution by the dolphins late in the game you're down by 14 like very little time left in this game you go down march down the field score you force a three and out take advantage you score late put the dolphins in a really bad position and on fourth down you make the sack and get the job done listen the titans they are not in the best place right now but they are a team with mike rabel at the helm that will fight each and every single week and this was a team that had yet to win a game on the road they were a lot they were averaging a literal 11 and a half points per game on the road they had a season high and arguably one of their best games of the season against one of the best teams in the nfl right now so my hats off to mike vrabel and them very impressed with what they got done this week and again another one of those games did not expect that result but i'm happy it happened because i love seeing this type of action in the nfl Moving into the next eight teams here at number 24, the Atlanta Falcons falling five spots here. Uh, it just once again, falling flat when it needed to, when it needed to stand up most on defense. This is not the first time that I feel like I've watched the defense, let a team march down. I feel like the Vikings when Josh jobs first arrived is a good example of that. The offense though, finally looking 
almost like what we were kind of expecting to see from this offense at its peak at some point in the season. We're just getting it very late in the year now in this matchup. Drake London had himself a phenomenal performance here, and we saw the offense that I feel like you should be getting when everything is going well, rather than just like untimely errors here or there. And the Dolphins, not the Dolphins, excuse me, the defense rather, I'm still stuck on that game. The defense rather, just letting this team down when it mattered most. And I mean, you're going up against a Tampa Bay team that has been filled with miscues and issues their entire season so far on offense. So, you know, vastly different performance compared to the first First time around when these two teams played out in Tampa and I I just you know I, I walked away from that game kind of shaking my head because that's a game that Atlanta should be winning at home in a really good spot to kind of try to take a stranglehold of the NFC South but they let it slip out of their hands once again a, one, again a, one of the most frustrating teams for me to watch because both sides cannot get on the same page at the same time it feels in Atlanta one side or the others letting the other one down and I feel like I'm just left banging my head against the wall every single time I pick against or I pick for the Falcons rather at number 23, on a three-game winning streak now and continuing to light the world on fire, the New York Giants have found something in Tommy DeVito. I don't know what it is. Tommy Cutlets, I'm here for the nickname. But listen, they have found something. And for all the conversation that surrounded the early portion of this season with the offensive struggles and Daniel Jones being overpaid and all of that, the wide receiver room struggling and just everything that we have seen from this Giants team, Tommy DeVito, the hometown guy, has stepped in and just he's embraced the Giants and the Giants and Giants fan base have embraced him in one of the more beautiful hometown hero type of stories I think I've seen play out in real life in general, never mind just football. And the kid just has so much heart and he is willing to put it on the line each and every single drive. And it's fantastic to watch. This was a Giants team a few weeks ago that felt like they were dead in the water. Tommy DeVito steps in and essentially ends up forcing the Giants to push Tyrod Taylor to the side, force their hand, keep him in as a starter. And he has not disappointed. He is one of those guys, again, probably shouldn't be or you wouldn't expect, I don't want to say shouldn't because at this point he should be, but initially you're probably thinking shouldn't be in this position, but here we go. And now he's taking that opportunity and not running, but just full on sprinting, sprinting with the opportunity. And, I, I, you know, defense was opportunistic. A few miscues here or there, but overall a job well done against what has been a pretty red hot Packers team the last month or so. At number 22, the Chicago Bears, another team especially on the defensive side of the ball here. Big upset over the Lions. They basically finished the game that they could not finish a few weeks back when they basically had the Lions dead to rights and choked away a victory. This was a statement game where we're finally seeing the fruits of the labor of Ryan Poles and the front office and their acquisitions that they've been making the last few years to try to rebuild this roster and put them in the right direction. The defense is what I really want to highlight in this game because a lot of people and I was I don't want to say I was questioning it, but I was a little, you know, unsure of the acquisition of Montez Sweat. Didn't really know how it was going to play out. I felt like you wanted a, maybe a bigger impact player than just Sweat if you were going to go big and swing at the deadline, but at this point, Sweat seems like the best piece they could have possibly added for this defense because he has helped light a fire under this group. He has 
what is it, three and a half sacks now, whatever it may be at this point for the team since joining back at the, uh, the trade deadline. It's been really impressive just how ferocious this defense has become and at this point is looking like a top unit in the NFL these last few weeks. So give credit where it's due. The Bears might not be necessarily in the, the real playoff picture. I mean, they're still like mathematically in the hunt and maybe something could happen. Who knows? I'm not going to write the Bears off at this point in the season. I think it's too early for that. But this is a surprise turnaround for a team that also kind of felt like dead to rights just a few short weeks ago with the trade deadline. And then at number 21, the New Orleans Saints. Um, listen, it was a good victory. I feel like the scoreline of the game made that victory look a little bit better than it actually did. Again, the offense just continues to be awful to watch. If it was not for the defense that they had there in New Orleans, this is a team that's probably flirting with like three, maybe four wins at best. Um, it's, it's unfortunate because I hate seeing a good defense get wasted by just an inability on offense, but... Uh, every single passing week go that goes by, I feel like I'm questioning more and more the acquisition of Derek Carr. And I'm somebody that has for a long time has rooted for Derek Carr. It's, it's not like I don't like him or anything like that, or I feel some type of way towards him. No, I've been rooting for him to be successful, but it is just not going well in New Orleans with him at the quarterback spot, despite a victory over what is the worst team in the NFL, in my opinion. So listen, they get the win job. Well done. I keep them sitting where they are. You beat a team you're supposed to beat. And again, while the score was a solid scoreline to finish with, I feel like it made the win look a little bit better than it actually was. If you sat down and watched that game for the full 60 minutes. At number 20, we have ourselves the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. At number 19, we're looking at the Seattle Seahawks. At 18, we have the Vikings, who got that 3-0 win over the Raiders. And then at 17, the Steelers tumbling down, falling out of the top half of the NFL despite their winning record here, but joining the Vikings in that very same conversation. Now, the Buccaneers moving up three spots at this point. Um, the, the NFC South altogether is... Not great to watch, if I'm being completely honest. That is just kind of my takeaway from them. It's really just anyone's ball game at this point. Everyone seems to be beating everyone within that division in some capacity, minus like the Panthers. But overall, when they're on and they can click and they can get stuff done on offense, they can definitely fight with some of the better of them. I don't want to say the best of them, but some of the better of them in the NFL. And it's one of those things where it's unfortunate that it doesn't happen often because what we saw from them against the Falcons, especially late in that game to steal what was basically a comeback victory for the Falcons uh, is something that you would want to see more of because Baker Mayfield's talented. You have some really talented skill guys there. Defense overall is really good. And they, you know, they kind of let the Falcons move a little bit more than you would have anticipated them to considering how solid the defense has been this year. But we got a prime example of what this team could be if they could just stay in sync on offense more frequently. And that's probably been the biggest problem that, and just a real lack of a running or consistent running game, I should say, because they have had some games here or there where they found some success, but a lack of a consistent running game is probably the best term I could put for that. At 19, the Seattle Seahawks, another tough, crushing loss to the 49ers. Uh, you know, you find out, what is it, the day before that Gino, the day before or the day of, I don't remember exactly when it was announced. I think it was that day on Sunday. Geno Smith, not going to play. Drew Locke's coming in. You're going up against a 49ers team that is just absolutely rolling right now. And as soon as I saw that, I felt very secure in my pick of the Seattle Seahawks taking their loss to the 49ers here. And it got very testy. And you could clear, clearly see the frustration on the football field from the Seattle Seahawks. This is a team that I feel like has been borderline pretty close the last few years and like are just struggling to get over the hump. They're like a piece or two away from really being a threat in the NFL right now. And it, 
it's unfortunate because I'm curious based off of how close the game was for a decent portion of the matchup what it looks like had Geno Smith been under center and that's not to knock Drew Locke but uh you know at this point I feel like Geno Smith is the guy for this Seahawks team at this current moment here so tough loss for them against a division rival it is what it is the 49ers are a juggernaut you kind of get rolled it is what it is but uh you know they, they good fight but at this point now playoff hopes are not dwindling but are looking kind of uh it feels like the light is fading away a little bit here with the current situation. All things considered with the way the NFC is kind of shaking itself out right now. At number 18, the Minnesota Vikings staying put where they are winning a three zero contest could have maybe been six zero had not been for an earlier missed field goal in that game. But uh, at this point, the Josh Dobbs era is over. I, you know, three weeks ago, I'm, you know, doing a video discussing with you all about how, you know, maybe Josh Dobbs is the future guy and they should move on with Kirk Cousins. And boy, do I feel silly looking back on that now. But it's going to stay there because it's one of those funny things to look back and remember, hey, that was something we were talking about in time just a few weeks ago. But it clearly feels like the tide has turned. We've now seen Nick Mullins come in and really for him. And he ultimately led the team to that game winning field goal. I don't really know where the Vikings go from here. You got Justin Jefferson back. He goes down with another injury again. Hopefully he comes back sooner rather than later. But now that Nick Mullins is probably going to be the guy going forward, if you don't have Justin Jefferson, I kind of feel like all hope is almost out the window for the Minnesota Vikings, despite them being seven and six. Right? It doesn't feel like seven and six. I don't know if you Vikings fans could agree with that or not, but it does not feel like seven and six with the situation that the Vikings are in right now. And it's really unfortunate because with a healthy Kirk Cousins, with a healthy Justin Jefferson, we're having a vastly different conversation where the Vikings are probably competing and far more competitive overall, just in the NFC as a whole, not just in their division, but it is what it is. Wishing the best for the Vikings, but my hopes are not too high right now, all things considered. And the Steelers at number 17, finding a way to lose to the New England Patriots, who basically couldn't buy a touchdown for the last like month, it felt like. And somehow they let up three first-half touchdowns. And maybe you could attribute that to injuries and three and outs and just poor field position because of the offense not really doing anything. Whatever it may be, there is a lot going on. And I feel like the conversation is getting louder of not only just having needed to fire Matt Canada, but it seems like Mike Tomlin might potentially be out the door as well come season end. Because at this point, while he's been a great coach, he's never been under 500. It almost feels like we might be in need of a somewhat of a change. And that's a big deal in Pittsburgh. They're not a team that is, you know, one to fire a coach very often. I know that they've only had like, what is it? Like three or four head coaches in the last, like some odd 20, 30 years. Like it's a ludicrous number. So it'll be very interesting to see Mike Tomlin immediately gets snatched up by whatever team is looking for a head coach and wants him most, if that ends up being the case. But it almost seems like now we're starting to see fans just kind of turn completely on the regime and they want to see a fresh start. So that's That'll be something worth watching going forward if this offense continues to look as bad as it does. Defensively, you know, they still do a really good job. While they let up 21 points in the first half, they did shut things down in the second half, so it's not like you could sit there and just write them off completely. But offense, it has been kind of a crap show, and it is what it is. Moving into the top half of the NFL, at number 16, we're talking the Indianapolis Colts, who dropped six spots here in a really ugly loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. My goodness, I know that they were in the jungle, but... I would have thought that this team could have performed better against a Jake Browning who, yes, don't get me wrong, I know he lit it up on Monday night the week prior, but I wasn't really sure if that was going to be something we'd see a repeat of. And for what it's worth, the Colts defense 
has been pretty uh, lackadaisical at times. I feel like they let teams move the football a lot and they let teams score a lot. It's it's weird because they have like a top 10 scoring offense, but then they also have a top 10, def- or top 10 defense in terms of points allowed on the wrong side of that. So it's or bottom 10, I guess you could say defense. However, that's supposed to be said. I don't know. But regardless... It was, you know, it was a tight game going into halftime. I thought, you know, especially with the, with the, um, it's blanking on me that the pick six, excuse me, that pick six going into halftime there. I thought that maybe, you know, they had a real shot and I was really excited to see that I had picked Indy to win the game, but that second half, you know, it just continued to kind of Lou Anaromo, Lou Anaromo and the defense over there for Cincinnati just completely shut them down and I felt like gave them some serious headaches from start to finish and it's not something we've seen a lot from the Colts Shane Steichen and that offense over there has been really good this season for and and, and to a big surprise to myself and many I'm sure but uh not a great performance and at this point uh, I'm I'm unsure of where the Colts should be right now, hence why I have them like slapped right in the middle of the pack here at number 16. I'm not really sure of what to make of them, despite the fact that they're in the thick of the AFC playoff picture right now. I'm pretty sure they're still in the playoffs, if I'm remembering correctly off the top of my head. So they're 7-6. and six. I'll stick them right in the middle of the pack here. Is that a 7-6 and six that could turn sour and ugly and maybe sub-500 to the next few weeks? Quite possibly, especially if they look like they did against the Bengals. And speaking of those Bengals at 15... I think we need to give a lot of credit to the coaching staff over there in Cincinnati for not just kind of folding over with the loss of Joe Burrow here. There's still a ton of talent on this defense, both offensively and defensively. And for them to kind of rally around Jake Browning and make sure he is as prepared as absolutely possible. I think you have to just toss a ton of praise on the coaching staff over there and the teammates around him to really just, you know, rally around what they're trying to do there. And that is make a playoff push happen despite the unfortunate circumstances that they are in. Am I going to sit here and say that I'm going to, you know, I'm expecting some sort of Cinderella run to the Super Bowl? Absolutely not. But for Jake Browning to come in and have two very convincing games at quarterback in the NFL, considering he's been basically a journeyman guy for the majority of his career at this point, I've got to give a ton of credit to them. And it, it a lot of it really goes to the coaching staff because you have a ton of talented players. You lose an uber talented quarterback. And rather than throwing in the towel, you go, no, we're going to literally fight to the very end here. And they're right in that thick of the AFC playoff picture with the Indianapolis Colts that they just beat at 14, the Rams moving up a spot here, despite their loss tip my cap to the Rams. They gave me the exact game. I was expecting to see from them going up against the Ravens, a very tight contest. The Rams with Kyron Williams has been a complete different offense. And I I expect to continue to see that going through the back half of this season here. Sitting at six and seven, they have a worse record than some teams. Four teams, rather. The four teams right below them all have a better record than them. But I would take the Rams over those four teams in any contest week after week after week. Because with a healthy Kyron Williams and a healthy run game, it really opens up what this Rams offense can do. Now, the defense, on the other hand, and I've talked about uh, talked about this a lot this season, it really comes down to a bunch of youthful guys being led by Aaron Donald and it's a matter of if they can all just stay on the same page and play above basically the sum of their parts and this was one of those games where you're going up against a really good offense in the Ravens and the cracks kind of showed but Overall, this is an impressive Rams team that is right in the thick of the NFC playoff picture. And I won't be surprised if, you know, come week 18, they're still fighting for maybe that final spot at number six or number seven in that wild card area. And then at number 13, the Green Bay Packers dropping an absolute nightmare situation to the 
to, to the Tommy DeVito, I almost said Danny DeVito there, the Tommy DeVito-led Giants. Um, what can I say, man? What can I say? You put yourself in an opportunity to win, and then very late, you let a massive play get by you, you let the Giants get into field goal position, and you'll ultimately choke away a victory. Now, it, it was very interesting to watch this game play out because for as good as the Packers have been throughout the point in this uh, to this point in the last like four weeks or so of the season, uh, there has been a piece of me that is kind of like, is this for real? I'm not really sure, but I was definitely starting to buy in. Now, after seeing the performance against the Giants, and granted, we just talked about it, the Giants kind of in a different situation right now where they seem to really be rallying around Tommy DeVito, and they're kind of playing at a different level where the defense has really tightened up this back half of the season, and now they kind of have an offense to work with. Um, We've seen the cracks once again in Green Bay, the flawed, young, mistaken offense and a defense that is basically the reason they're going to win or lose games at the end of the day. Uh, I don't really know if this was just kind of a bump in the road. Do I still think that Jordan Love is potentially the long-term answer for the Green Bay Packers? I think so. Even in a loss like this, it's not like he looked really bad. It was just the Giants played some really good defense. And even then, towards the end of the game, when you kind of had to have it situation, Jordan Love drove them right down the field and scored. It just really came down to the defense letting up a play. And that's not something the defense has done all year long. So, I mean... It is what it is. Really tough loss. I still think the Packers are one of the better teams in the NFC right now. They're right in the thick of the NFC playoff picture. And this is another one of those teams where I'd be kind of shocked if they're not battling for one of those spots come season end here. And then moving into the upper echelon of the NFL at number 12, Houston Texans dropping four spots here with their really ugly loss to the New York Jets. Also potentially going to be without C.J. Stroud for maybe a week or so, depending on how he progresses through the concussion protocol. At number 11, the Jacksonville Jaguars drop a really tough game against the Cleveland Browns team being led by Joe Flacco, who are now sitting at number 10 themselves, moving up six spots with one of the more improbable victories in their situation. And then at number nine, we're looking at the Detroit Lions. So, The Texans at 12, listen, the running game is kind of the issue here, and it wasn't more so in this game than anything else, but the fact that they struggle to cross the 100-yard rushing mark pretty much week in and week out is is kind of a glaring issue, in my opinion. It is one thing that this team needs to really figure out, because for as great as C.J. Stroud has been, you kind of get yourself in a position where you're one-dimensional, and that was something I was kind of afraid of with them going up against a Jets defense that has been really good against the pass this year, and they have a softer run defense. For as great as they have been on once in terms of the you know pass defense, they have not been great stopping the run and I was really hoping to see them lean into the running game a little bit more especially when you consider the weather they were playing in I just would have thought there'd be more of a focus and try to make something happen even though they haven't had a ton of success there ultimately I feel you kind of run into a wall you tried to you basically tried to challenge their bread and butter on defense and it didn't go well for you and that's kind of where you're at right now and whether that's um you know just like a microcosm of the youth and an experience amongst players and the coaching staff there and kind of like tough lesson learned. Don't try to challenge one of the best pass defenses in the league. It's one of those things where, it, it, you know, lesson learned. 
I'm not out on the Texans. I'm a little bit worried about CJ Stroud now and his health and what that might do to the potential rest of their season, depending on how long he's out for. Hopefully he's back sooner rather than later. Hope he's good and I hope he's healthy and he's not rushing himself back. But definitely a little bit of a concern there with the Texans now losing CJ Stroud potentially for a week, maybe even more, if that ends up being the case. At number 11, those Jacksonville Jaguars, like I mentioned, uh, I did not expect Trevor Lawrence to play. You hear high ankle sprain, you expect at minimum like two or three weeks out. So for him to come back in, maybe the injury wasn't as serious as they initially thought. I, I believe that there's like different grades for ankle sprains. I'm not a doctor. I don't necessarily know, but I believe there's different grades. Maybe it was a lower grade. Maybe it wasn't as serious of a high ankle sprain. I don't really know the situation. I was nervous about it going in. I'm glad he got out and he was fine because uh, I don't want to see somebody going in and hurting themselves even worse than they were the week prior. So unfortunate though the Browns defense is just phenomenal and it is what it is you ran into a really good defense that gave you a ton of issues in terms of pressure massive interceptions and you and I don't know if maybe you saw some of the overthrows from Trevor Lawrence and I feel like we kind of have gotten that through the duration of his career where he's like prone to sailing a pass or two and Cleveland's secondary being as good as it has took advantage of those mistakes and ultimately it put them in some really good spots to win that game there taking advantage Joe Flacco nails in some situations that fourth down touchdown to David Bell phenomenal I know we're kind of like going from we're segueing from Jaguars to Browns here but uh, it, a game you kind of had to win, especially knowing that you were going to have Trevor Lawrence now. Like, I picked Cleveland with the thought process of there was no way Trevor Lawrence was going to play. So when I heard he was in, I was kind of worried about the pick, and then the Browns ultimately ended up getting the job done anyways. But here we are. And then, like I said, those Browns, Joe Flacco, man, comes off the couch and is playing better than literally more than half of the quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I, and that's in that's, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Cause it's a great thing for Joe Flacco, but it, it speaks volumes to the state of some of the quarterbacking play. I think that we're seeing around the NFL right now for Joe Flacco to just kind of get off his couch, suit up and basically put together the two best performances that the Browns have had at quarterback since Deshaun Watson was brought into the organization uh, is kind of just con it's concerning it's it is concerning for the Browns the NFL and I, I really don't know what to make of it but now he was dropped back down to the practice squad I don't know if that's changed since the last time I saw but I saw that he was brought back down there I don't know if the Browns are gonna maybe like consider signing him to an actual deal the Browns need to continue rolling with Joe Flacco. I don't know if their plan is to have P.J. Walker start now instead. I don't know what that's all about. I was very surprised to see that when that happened. He needs to be their short-term answer for the remainder of the season because I truly believe that Joe Flacco, with the knowledge and experience that he has and the amount of talent that is playing around him both on offense and on defense, this team could at least make some noise in the playoffs and make somewhat of a push with how good the roster is from top to bottom and a steady hand at quarterback. So Browns need to, I don't know why he's on the practice squad right now. Again, we'll watch for that situation to unfold the next few days, but the Browns have something here. Do not let Joe Flacco walk to somewhere else. Cause I know the Steelers need a quarterback and that would be some serious nonsense. If you let Pittsburgh go and scoop him off your practice squad and use him to maybe take a drive to the AFC playoffs instead of you. And then the lions at number nine, uh, this time around did not end the way they needed it to against the Bears. We basically saw the same game. It felt like for the first like three quarters or three, four and a half quarters, first like three and a half quarters, I guess I should say. Uh, but minus the whole miracle comeback victory Bears collapse. So now you have to start to wonder 
is the defense starting to get exposed? I know that there's injuries. Believe me, I get it. Everyone is dealing with injuries. I don't need people to tell me that there's injuries at starting positions on any team. I know. I Believe me, I look every single week. I'm well aware of how many people are hurt. Everyone's dealing with injuries, not just your team. But with the situation they're in, we're starting to see some expose happening with the Lions defense. And on top of that, it almost feels like we're seeing a little bit of a regression on offense right now. Listen, I don't hate the Lions. Don't think I'm doubting the Lions. Don't think I'm counting the Lions out. But I am a little bit concerned about what we've seen from them the last few weeks. That's all I'm trying to say. Simple as that. But I do still think they're one of the top teams in the NFL, hence why they're in my top 10. Don't sit here and think I'm disrespecting the Lions. I promise you I'm not. Just a little bit worried about some of the things I've been seeing, especially with how this game turned out in Chicago. And Lions fans, you should be a little bit concerned as well. Moving into the top eight, at number eight, Kansas City Chiefs. Tough, ugly loss to the Buffalo Bills. At number seven, those Buffalo Bills. At number six, Denver Broncos. How about that one? And then at number five, the Miami Dolphins. So the Chiefs, listen, it was offsides. It was the right call. Kadarius Toney is a professional. He should be lined up on sides. He should also be checking with the referees to make sure that he is in the correct position if he's uncertain about it. And he should just be doing it in general, especially in a situation like that. That flag was thrown before the play even really developed. It literally went flying as the ball was snapped. Patrick Mahomes hadn't even let the ball go. I think it's ridiculous that Andy Reid tried saying that he was maybe an inch or two offsides. He was about a half a yard, which if you don't know what half a yard is, it's about a foot and a half so about a foot and a half offsides uh it was the chief's fault and that's about all i really have to say there they lost that game to the bills plain and simple i don't really care what anyone else has to say about that those are the facts at number seven we have the buffalo bills who come away with a much needed and massive victory in kansas city over the chiefs uh, not as pretty as we've seen from them offensively the last couple of weeks, but Joe Brady still helping his team to a victory. Now three games in, he's sitting at two and one, and in one of in that one loss he has, it was a 30 point, 34 point effort. So. I definitely like the trend that we're seeing from Buffalo, far fewer turnovers. It's more a matter of, is this going to be sustainable? And are we going to continue to see it going forward? But we have a great defense over there in Buffalo that continues to force mistakes when necessary. And the offense, if they can just continue to snowball in a positive direction, this is a team that can threaten. I know they're very far outside of the playoff picture right now because of the way tiebreakers and everything looks. But if I had to bet on a team right now, they're winners of two of their last three and in their losing effort they lost by three putting up 34 and it was in overtime in philadelphia in a torrential downpour so i'm pretty high on the way the buffalo bills look right now since moving on from ken dorsey and having joe brady take over and i'm very looking forward to seeing how this team looks going through these final four games of the season and then at number six how about them Denver Broncos, man? Winners of six of their last seven. And if it wasn't for three interceptions last week, we could be talking about a seven-game winning streak right now. This Denver team is for real. Absolutely for real. You go in and you manhandle a down-and-out division rival the way you did. There was never a point in that game where I ever thought that the Chargers were going to come back, especially once they lost Justin Herbert. But even prior to that, the defense was not letting it happen. The offense was money. Russell Wilson's touchdown pass to Cortland Sutton was unbelievable. And Cortland Sutton is one of those guys that does not get the love he deserves, and he deserves all of it and then some. Put some respect on Cortland Sutton's name. The guy is a talent. 
And then at number five, the Miami Dolphins. Poor execution, mental errors, whatever you want to call it, maybe some bad injury luck. That was a devastating loss simply because you need it record-wise more than anything else if you wanted to really compete for that number one spot in the AFC. Now, as for the actual performance, though, you had them beat. You had them beat. I don't know what happens where you allow yourself to be in a situation where you're up 14, you let a Titans offense that, like I mentioned earlier, is averaging 11.5 points on the road this season, winless on the road at that. You're going against a rookie quarterback who you even forced some turnovers from in this game, drive down the field, you get the ball back, and you settle on a three and out. You lost the game. Plain and simple. You let a lesser opponent come into your house and basically just muddy things up for your playoff positioning. Ugly loss. Ugly loss. Plain and simple. Still one of the most talented teams in the NFL. And as we've seen this year, pretty much anyone can beat anyone at this point. I don't really feel like writing anyone off makes a lot of sense anymore because I've done it a few times. And honestly, I think I've been wrong almost every single time I've written a team off. So at this point... Anyone can beat anyone. They're still amongst the most talented in the NFL, and they can boat race most teams they're going against. But this is one of those situations where it almost feels like it was a trap game that for some reason, I don't really think a lot of people saw coming. And I don't think the Dolphins saw it coming either. And then looking at the top four teams in the NFL to finish off the power rankings, and I can't wait to see the conversation around this one here. At number four, we are looking at the Philadelphia Eagles. At number three, we have ourselves the Dallas Cowboys climbing a couple of spots, securing a spot in that top three. At two, the Ravens stay put where they are. And at number one, the 49ers stay put where they are. So at number four, the Philadelphia Eagles now. Really ugly losses in back-to-back weeks. And you could probably argue that they need to be a little bit lower here but when I look at the rest of the teams below them am I gonna buy the Broncos being a better team than Philadelphia no I kind of just feel like Philadelphia is in a rough patch am I gonna buy the Dolphins who just let themselves lose to the Tennessee Titans at home in a in a situation where you were up 14 absolutely not I'm gonna not gonna take Miami and then Bills well you could argue maybe considering the state of them the last few weeks but I will say this, Philadelphia has the win, so I'll take them. Chiefs, probably not. Not in the state that they're currently in right now, blaming referees for their own teammates' mistakes. So I'll keep the Eagles at number four right now. Maybe there's an argument that they should be a little bit lower, but I still think they're one of the more talented teams in the NFL. A rough patch they're going through, and I'm not going to sit here and just completely throw them down the board for the sake of moving other people up just because of a couple of bad games. Philadelphia still sitting with only three losses. I still think one of the best teams in the NFL. Uh, Part of it, I feel like, is they've been caught in a really tough spot, and they're hurting. They're hurting, and it was something I kind of picked out a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not really surprised to see them where they are right now. And number three, Dallas Cowboys. And I think I should kind of bunch them in with the Baltimore Ravens at number two here because I'm sure there's going to be some people that are going to shout about the five-game winning streak and then, you know, the amount of points they're putting up a game in this winning streak and blah, blah, blah. Dax, the MVP. Listen, if you want to argue the Cowboys at number two, have at it by all means. I totally understand it. And I'm not going to sit here and say you're wrong. It's just my personal opinion. I think that the Ravens are the AFC's version 
of the San Francisco 49ers right now. A very well-rounded team that has beaten the brakes off some opponents, and they've won all the really tight games. Yeah, they have a few losses, but so doesn't everyone else right now. And the one thing the Ravens don't have that the Cowboys do is an embarrassing blowout loss. So... That is my case. The Cowboys are dominant. They've looked phenomenal to this point in the season. They're beating up on the lesser opponents. And now at this point, nobody can sit here and say they don't have a win against a team that's above 500 at this point in the season. Because at this, at this rate, the Seahawks aren't above 500 anymore either. So that was kind of a conversation that still could have been had until this win over Philadelphia. But Baltimore continues to find ways to win despite their injury situations that they've been dealing with since the beginning of the season because they're one of those teams that it feels like they have an IR report that's 10 people deep before the preseason even finishes up. I like the Ravens. Do I think that the Ravens are going to beat the Cowboys, you know, like 10 times out of 10? Absolutely not. That ga- that series probably goes 6-5 one way or the other depending on the games, where they're played, how they're played, and what weather they're played in. But I like the Ravens just a hair bit more than I do the Dallas Cowboys at this point. And then at number one, the San Francisco 49ers, continuing to do what they do. And that is when healthy, just pick teams apart, piece by piece, haymaker after haymaker, sucker punch, whatever you want to call it. The 49ers have the best starting 22 in the NFL right now. And that is my opinion, probably a fact as well though with the way that they've been playing i have a very hard time arguing against them it was only when they were dealing with injury issues that they were unable to win games and even at that it was a tight loss to the browns and then obviously we can converse about the other two losses but overall i like the 49ers i think they reign supreme right now they're hot they're healthy and i don't really know if anyone in the nfl could really keep pace the, the Ravens are probably the one team that I think could truly challenge them. And don't tell me the Cowboys, because we all know what happened when those two teams played. I know that was like five weeks ago, but I feel like it still ranks true to this point right now. Those are my power rankings for week number 15 of the NFL. That is it for me. As always, comment down below. Let me hear your thoughts. I'll see you all next time. Greatly appreciate you. Have a good one.